Welcome to the May Contain Wine podcast, brought to you by Wine, Women, and Wellbeing. I'm your host, Lisa Webb, and together we're going to get to know incredible women doing all kinds of interesting things. So grab a glass and get ready to be inspired by the amazing women in our global community. Hello, my friends. Today, I'm talking with my friend, Jess Jansen. She is a badass boss babe, a wife, a mama, keynote speaker, author, executive director of Love for Lucent Foundation. She's a joy bringer and a cheerleader. Hello, Jess. How are you? What's up, beautiful? Let's have some fun. Let's do this. We, we had a little warm-up show before this. We did. Um, <laughs> Jess walked me off the ledge, as she does, um, and we're ready to roll. I just would say the only disappointment I have, and just for context, is we're recording this in the morning. This podcast is about wine or something like that. And I'm like, Lisa, where's my glass of wine? Yeah, so I failed you. You. you did. You I failed, failed me. You. I'll I'm pay you back in wine in, okay. in real life. I'll bring it to your door. It's going to happen. Okay. So for our listeners that don't know you, tell them all things Jess Jensen. Like, let's roll it right back and just give us like brief history of your life, you know, whatever. Tell us who you are. So I was born on August 7th on a Tuesday <laughs> at 7-Eleven. No, um, but I was in born in a beautiful farm. Yes, basically. <laughs> born and raised uh, in just outside of Winnipeg, Manitoba on my parents' farm. They've been farming there for over 42 years. So kudos to my mom and dad and my little bro who are keeping it rolling um, and feeding the world. And then I was 21. I had $300 in my bank account and I had just graduated from college. I was working for a cool company at the time. I decided to um, quit the job. They'd offered me a transfer, but I just wanted like this whole fresh new start. Didn't know anyone drove out to Calgary with 300 bucks in my bank account, like an idiot, like don't know anything. Like a brave girl, (laughs) but venture seeker. Well, people are always like, do you have advice? I'm like, don't do what I did. I mean, it's worked out, but Um, I put my first month's rent on like my line of credit, like just stupid stuff. And, you know, I've had a myriad of jobs. Um, I've worked in corporate and now where I'm at today, obviously 15 years later, um, I have my own business. I'm a speaker and author and our son died in the process of me finding the love of our life. And that changed the trajectory of my life again. Uh, he passed away in 2016 to a rare genetic disease. And um, it was brutal for our family, but out of that has given me ultimate purpose. And we've used that pain as rocket fuel to create change and to fuel my ideas and dreams and just go for it. And so if you meet me, um, the person that you see on Instagram is the same person that you'll see. I'm loud, I'm outspoken, I'm a little extra bubbly. I'm not everyone's flavor. Um, but it's like the true, the true Jess. And I've learned to let go of a lot of stuff and just exist in who I know I was created to be. Okay. So that's a lot. Yep. <laughs> you asked for a condensed version. I did. I did. I asked for a condensed version. That's what you gave me. So I love it. But because I know your story, I'm just going to rewind a little bit because you like just kind of glazed over our son died in the process. And, um, and I know you, and I know it wasn't easy as like our son died. And then this happened. Like, whoa, Hmm. holy shit. Did this girl just say that her son died? And how did, how did you Hmm. navigate that? But more than how did you navigate that? Um, what did you learn? Like, what did grief, what has grief taught you? Have you, have you walked through grief? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. I think just to provide context, I mean, I've done lots of podcasts, lots where I, I talk about, and they're usually revolved around the death of my son. And for me to help myself be comfortable with it, 
I, I'm not uncomfortable to talk about the death of my son. So, you know, I, you've been around me when I've cracked jokes and people are like, often I get asked like, oh, how many kids do you have? You know, and I say three. And the next question that every single parent gets is how old are they? Yes. And so, you know, I say my daughter six, my son who's dead would be five and I have a two-year-old. And then people are like, and like, oh, don't worry. My middle son, the, who would be five, he's the easiest because he's up in heaven. And then that makes people retreat more. But for me, as someone that's walking through grief, that's walking through the hard stuff is like, this is my reality. This is the, the story that, and the cards that I were dealt. And so for me, just being open, raw, honest about it um, is how I've managed to do it. Is it right? No, wrong. it's not right or wrong. It's just how I've personally chosen to deal with it. And so grief has become a part of my story. It will be with me for the rest of my life um, where moments, you, I mean, I probably will get emotional on this call. You always hope you're like, okay, don't cry. You know, just like ugly cry. And I put on mascara today. So you want to keep that on. But um, grief is a part of our story. And every day it shows up differently. Some days I can sail through the hard things and it's no big deal. And I can bring joy and crack jokes. And there's other days that it like wants to suffocate you and hold you down. And you're bawling like a baby at the base of your fridge for two and a half hours. And you can't peel yourself up off the floor and you have to call your best friend to come and get you. And so uh, my whole, what I stand for and what I teach about and coach about is about navigating grief because it's a motherfucker. Um, There's no other word for it. And I've just chosen not to let grief keep me down. I've used it as um, rocket fuel. I've said that before, but I've used it as rocket fuel to help me live the life that I, I once only dreamed of. So I think I've told you this before. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents lost a child. So I grew up in the position that Swayze mm-hmm. and Hollis are in. So that, and it doesn't go away. So when you're saying how that, old was, so you- my brother would have, it would have been the oldest brother in my, like in my sibling yeah. lineup, there would have been four of us. Yes. So he passed away when he was three, two and a half or three, I think, um, right after or while my mom was pregnant, while my mom was pregnant with my oldest brother now. And so he was, he was passed on long before I was born, but like, like what you're doing with your kids, as it should be, it was always just a part of our life. Like we always knew we always, when it was his birthday, like to this day, we have cake when it's his birthday. Like that's just always a part of my life as it will be for your children. And I think that you've done such an exceptional job. Like we talk about, like we're, we're the silent role models for our kids. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and you could have gone like, this could have gone in like a million different directions and you could have dealt with this in a million different ways. And, Mm -hmm. and what you are showing your kids on how you can deal with this, I think is just like exceptional. Like I, it's huge. It's massive. And I mean, my mom was like, because my mom knows your story. You were speaking at our event. And my mom was like, Oh, I don't know if I can like to, to hear the books. It's, it's a lot 50 years later, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's still with her 50 years later. So that's, it is, I think like just, it's just, there's no words. It's just so intense. And you've just done a phenomenal job of navigating. And I know that it's not easy and, and not all days are obviously like the Jess Jensen we get on Instagram, right? That's, we've talked about this. Instagram is five 
15 second clips of your life that day. And you had all the hours of all the life that has happened outside of that. So yeah, but you, you do a good job of, of showing people when, when things are getting raw and real and dirty. Mm-hmm. Um, not all of us do that. Not all of us are brave enough. And we, we've talked when you did an event with us in Calgary, when we were allowed to like gather in real life, Yes, you talked about something that's important and I can relate to that in, in different ways, but you talked about how you oftentimes don't share until you've processed through something mm-hmm. and you like share Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk to us about that because I think that's important. And it's so, it works like for so many different areas of life, right? Just in general, whether you're on Instagram or not. Totally. I think it was, I, I learned it, I was at a conference in um, Charleston, uh, South Carolina, and I learned it from Amy Porterfield, which I thought was a really um, great way of processing stuff, especially I show up really raw, really vulnerable. I don't really have things to hide. Um, and I always say like, just remember the context of what you see of my life is maybe like three to seven minutes of my day. That's what you're seeing. You don't see the other 23 hours and like 52 minutes that are happening. And so always give that context. Um, you know, I do want to share the real and raw because often for a lot of people, Instagram has become the highlight reel. Like I know when I do a photo shoot, like behind the lens of the camera, the house is a disaster, but that one area that we take that picture of, you know, it's like, okay, we've gotten all the dust moss. And I mean, I'm talking about what website photos and whatever. I mean, I share the, the real stuff, but that's often, I think what we just see is we see the finished product and we don't see the mess behind or the process in getting there. So in my stories, I do my best to share that. And my rule of thumb is, um, you know, I think for certain things, if I'm experiencing it in the moment, I might just go on and share. I shared last October was just a brutal, hard season for me. It just was. There's probably a bunch of things that triggered it, but I shared in real time um, that I didn't want to be thankful on Thanksgiving, which is really counterintuitive for me because I preach about gratitude. I preach about joy. I preach about family. I love Thanksgiving. Like, I think it's a super important holiday. And I just was like, I don't even want to meet with family. Like, I don't, I don't want to be thankful. mm, Like I dug my heels in the ground and I shared that in real time because it was an okay thing to share. For example, though, when I'm sharing hard stuff and if it involves family members or we're still in the midst of it or I haven't worked through it, I always say I never share something where the scab is or where the injury or the owie or the whatever is still oozing. If I haven't fixed it and it hasn't scabbed over, pardon me for the gross analogy, but I think it'll help you remember if you're still in it, if it's still healing, you might not be um, ready to share. I think that's super, super important. So example, stuff in our marriage, I'm not going to share in the moment that Ronnie's being a dick and we're fighting over finances and our life, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I want to get through that because I don't want to throw him under the bus. And I also want to protect our marriage and I don't need outside opinions speaking to me because that's between him and I. And so if I'm going through something that is really vulnerable, that uh, might not be appropriate to share in the time, I will wait till it's healed over and make sure that I have permission from my partner to share because then I think it's important. And I know that it can probably help somebody else who's potentially going through something difficult. Yes. That, while well, that has stuck with me from mm-hmm. like, I don't know how, how long ago you spoke at one, two, three eight, two years, years ago, ago, or something. Yeah, long time um, ago. that has stayed with me. And cause I think about that and I'm like, Oh, I want, because you do develop a relationship with your online people, right? Thousand percent. They're like a support and you want to tell them all the things, but you're just sometimes can't just yet. Like you get there, but you can't always do it. And Kevin's always like, not yet for this one, like right to people yet. And so you have to respect that too. Right. 
And if for an example, like, you know, let's say you're selling a business or you're selling a home or whatever it is, you might need to navigate through that because it might not be public knowledge or whatever it is, but then you do want to share your experience. And this girl, uh, she's on Instagram, her family moved to France. Um, her husband, they, they was it me? <laughs> it wasn't you. <laughs> But for her name's first name, Lily, I think she's a really cool um, blogger, photographer, and she's done all this stuff, but she didn't share the move until they had sold the house and that their everything was secured because there was privacy with family and school stuff. And I was like, what a beautiful way that she still got to tell this story and share the vulnerable parts, but she waited until it was completed and then was able to kind of unravel it all. Um, and I think that's a really good way sometimes how we have to do it. I, I like to share in the moment in the realness, but some things is kind of gone away. Yes. There's, I think there's things that, and you're excited and it's easy to share the happy things in the moment. I think mm -hmm. it's, it's the hard things that when other people's emotions are involved or like I found like when I, I talk publicly about how I started Wine Women and Wellbeing because my need overseas for community connection, belonging, how I was lonely and it was hard when I was in it. Like thinking back when I was in it and I had like my babies and I was by myself and I was freaking lonely and struggling. I was like, yeah, mom, I'm all good. And that's my mom. But I feel like I didn't want her to worry. And I feel mm. like I was on the other side of the country. And I mean, sure. She probably knew I had hard days and, but I didn't talk You're on the other side of the ocean. On the, sorry. Yes. I was on the other side of the world. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, but I had that like, oh, nobody has to worry about me. I'll be fine. And I probably didn't even know I was processing as much as I did. And now I'm like, actually that was freaking hard. Yeah. Living in like the Congolese mm. jungle, that wasn't a breeze, but I don't even know if I like personally processed it at the time, but it, oftentimes you get reflection when you remove yourself or when you go through something, then you're like, oh yeah, that was actually a, a tough go. Have you ever processed though and thought about it? Like, this is my pain. You use pain as rocket fuel. You use 100%. pain for purpose. Like everything that you experience, the hurt, the heartache. And I hope whoever is listening to this, you're walking through a hard season right now. You're in the shit storm. It's difficult. You're asking the question, why me? How come it has to happen this way? But if you pay attention, and I write about it in my book, if you pay attention to those nudges, those things that are bothering you, like Lisa's the prime example, I'm not the only one that's done this. The thing that was painful, the thing that was hard, the thing that hurt, there can be purpose in that. And you use that purpose to create wine or that pain to, for a purpose to create wine, woman, well-being. And it's like, well, holy shit, hot dang. Like that now is your life purpose and you're gifting and giving back and showing up for other people who feel lonely and want connection and community. Like, hello, light bulb moment, people. Like yes, what I if you start looking for that? Look for that. Exactly. I made a post once and I think I thought of you, I maybe even tagged you and it was forever ago, but it said like, use your pain to heal the world. Mm. And like, maybe I'm not healing the world with wine, woman and well-being, but I know that people have come to me and said like, but maybe this are. is a game changer for me. This community is exactly what I needed. And I have built it because it's exactly what I needed. And mm -hmm. so like helping people get through grief and find mm -hmm those moments of joy in the horrible times of their life is what mm -hmm. you needed, what you went through. And now you're using that. And I just think that there's magic in that. There is. So, That's where the good stuff lies. So we talk, let's talk um, about joy because this is a good little segue. We, we talked about yep. the shit. We talked about yep. like being in the muck. Your book is called bring the joy. It's about your yep. story 
It's phenomenal. It's going to be a bestseller. Well, it is, it's going to be like New York Times. We're getting, you know, you're going to be on Netflix. It's going to be all the things. I'm but, trying. We're working on oh, it. Oh, I know you are. I know you are. So what are your, like, let's start with, like, how did you get there? Like, was there, was there a moment where you just went, was there something that switched? Like who loses their son and can find joy? Mm. And then not just that, but your path since then and, and and where you've gone with that, like where, where did the joy thing come from? And then tell me your joy starters first. The joy thing come from is like a loaded question. So let's start there. So I'm going to run this because I don't think I've ever shared this on a podcast or with anybody. I, I don't think so. I remember the moment that I defined that um, we, it was August 5th. We're in Alberta Children's Hospital. Dr. Jean Ma, pediatric neurologist, like one of the most brilliant ladies of our time who has one of the toughest jobs in the planet because she literally delivers terminal diagnosis often. I can't even imagine. So she delivers us this news. And I was thinking SMA, if you read my book and know my story, I'd help this family um, for the last nine years before my own son gets this very diagnosis, which is a rare genetic disease. And I remember when she walked out of the room and uh, if you've been in Alberta Children's Hospital, they have the parent bed, which is like a window seat, like a, a large window seat. And I, I fell to the ground and I just remember I heard this loud booming voice that said, you will bring the joy. And I was like, huh, okay. And I just remembered being like, we're gonna do this joyfully. And it was like so clearly defined. I remember the feel of the floor and all of that. But I think I've had like these pockets of joy along the way. And now that I'm thinking about this, the joy thing came nine years earlier. I offered to help this family with two kids with spinal muscular atrophy. And um, I was in church, they needed someone in Sunday school to help in this classroom. And I met this little boy and I felt this nudge on my heart, the same nudge to pursue my husband, the same nudge to keep going in our relationship when we were like this and battling each other. And God's like, no, this is your person. Just keep, just hold course, stay the toe the line. And I was like, this is so hard. It shouldn't <laughs> be like this. But that voice was go offer this family help. And so I walked over to the family. I had, I was wheeling this little boy, Sean, who was in a wheelchair, couldn't walk. And when I wheeled over, they also wheeled over their daughter. And I was like, oh my gosh, they have two kids in wheelchairs. Like, this is crazy. I was like, Hey, my name's Jess. And I just would love to help your family. I said, I'll do anything. I said, maybe if you guys want to go on a date night, you can go on a date night. And I said, I'll just come and scrub your toilets and I can do that joyfully, whatever you need. I'll just do it joyfully. And Karen and I, um, the kid's mom to this day laugh, um, because I, I believe you can scrub toilets joyfully. It's a choice. It's like the attitude and the energy, the presence that you bring to it. I mean, do we love, you know, I'm going to think about you when I scrub a toilet next time, I'm going to be like, I'm so happy, (laughs) but I mean, like, look at all the the ways that you can show up. It's like blast your favorite music, shake your booty while you're doing it. You know what I mean? Like it's a choice. It's like, it's a, for me, it's a vibe and an energy. And I hope I go down. Um, And I love when people send me things about joy and my girlfriend sent this. She's like, the word Jessica and joy are two associations for me that will forever be in my heart. And so I think it started back then being like, I can show up for this family. And if they just need me to scrub toilets and it makes their life that much better, then let me scrub a toilet joyfully. And then it's like, now I'm like in death, which here's like side note, I say this all the time, but like, we're all dying. 
Like you're going to die. I'm going to die. Like, I don't know anyone that's escaped that. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, it's written on the wall and my time could be over tomorrow or it could be in 30 years from now. I don't know, but I want to show up well in doing it. And that doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean that you're void of hardship. It doesn't mean that you aren't going to face challenging circumstances, but like, man, when you do it joyfully and when you choose that as like the base level, it's so much more enjoyable. So much. I'm going to clean the dishes after this joyfully because they're waiting upstairs. But oh, I, know. I, I just think that's such, such a perspective that we don't, we don't stop and pay attention. Like, Hey, I'm going to die tomorrow. Going to die in 30 years. I don't know. So mm-hmm. might as well have a good old time. I have a very, I mean, and I, I've talked to my therapist, a therapist about this. I'm like, do I have an unhealthy, like I have a very high death mortality awareness. Like it's just very high. I'm very aware of it. And so like, you know, my husband leaves the door. I'm like, okay, did I kiss him? The, those are things that are important to me. Um, but I think when you live with like, just the, like death is a real thing and it is knocking at our door. And I pictured myself lying in that hospital room where I couldn't move. I wasn't able to move my body. It's pretty depressing. So I would hope that my friends and family would rally alongside me and make it as joyful as possible. And I think because it's part of your life, it, it's normal that that's, like I said, I was, I was in Swayze's position and she's probably going to have, mm. she'll be more aware of death. And what if, what if my parents only had one other child, then they'd have an only child. Like there's mm. just like all these things that you carry with you. So for you to kiss Ronnie when he leaves and think like, okay, I need to make sure I do that. I feel like that's, that's a very healthy way to deal with your grief. Yeah. I think it just, like you said, the word perspective is so um, critical because our perspective on anything can be like, this is awesome. Or this is the worst ever glass, half full glass, half empty. It's just how you choose to see it. And so I'm just using this hard situation in my life to help me see life through a better lens. And you're a perfect example. You share, and now it's become a bit of a movement. Like people share their joy starters and tag you in it. Your, your joy starter cup I have the same one from the same person, a different version. I have like, oh, I just put it, I just put yeah. it upstairs in the pile of yeah. dishes. It was, it was yeah. sitting here for two days. Um, I have like the small espresso version of that yes. cup. So what are your, and that is a joy starter for me too. Every damn morning I make Ugh. my coffee in that cup and I just love it. And I have a pink one and I have a white one, but the pink one brings me more joy. And so like, there's just a little bit more joy that morning. If the pink one isn't in the dirty dishes, because right. I get to use my pink favorite cup it's yeah. a great way to start the day. And so I often, and I know it's not just me. It's anyone who's read your book. It's anyone who knows you and knows your story and know that you are the bring the joy girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're like, oh, there's a joy starter. People tag you in things on Instagram. Yeah. There's a joy starter. What are your joy starters for people who are just getting to know you? And yeah. how do you help people find those people who are in the shit times and yeah. are not feeling great? And they're like, the last thing I can think of right now is joy. How do you how do you find your joy starters? I, I mean, I, I always struggle with how do I explain this because I don't want it to be just based on materialistic things. Right. Yeah. But, but to very start simply, there's things in your life that like you, like you see it and it makes you smile. It, you see it in your life. Oh, and that would spark joy in me because I'm like, Oh yeah. Like this does make me feel a little lighter, a little, a little happier, a little more excited. And so it actually started where I was like, this is my joy starter. So this is a, a handmade mug by made by Leanne Dubray, go follow her and then get on her wait list. Because when you buy one of these mugs, you're going to need a whole kitchen full and you will not drink a hot beverage out of anything other than this mug. hundred percent. 
it's the truth. And so I was like, this, this mug brings me so much joy. But I remember when Lewiston was sick, um, my friend Peter, who's doing his residency, would bring me a hot coffee <clears throat> every morning um, from Starbucks because he knew the hospital coffee I didn't like as much. And he was coming in for his rounds and he would drop off a hot Starbucks for me. And that was a joy starter for me. I'm like, wow, like what a simple little thing. Like it's the hot cup of coffee. It's the dance party. It's in these like small moments where you're looking for the joy and it, you feel it and you choose to allow it emotion. I mean, you and I just walked through processing emotion, processing grief and anxiety and frustration, but what if we also allowed our body to process joy, which like for me is like a high kick or a high five. We do this thing in our family. And I, I wrote this in, we were just sitting off my book proposal for book number two to find a wow. publisher. Amazing. But one of the chapters is called Two Hands Up. So it's like, who's excited for women and well-being? Put two hands up, put two hands up. Two hands up. Like, how do you not get it? Like, put two hands up and be grumpy. Like, try it. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, I'm going to test that later in my house. <laughs> test it. But like, we do this thing in our household where it's like, who's excited for chicken fingers for lunch? Two hands up. And if you do it with a smile on your face, I guarantee you, you can't be mad. So Joy started in her family now is the two hands up method. And it started- I'm using it. I'm stealing it. Do it with your kids. Like it just, like even with your husband, like people are like, okay, this is a little bit ridiculous, (laughs) but it's also kind of awesome. And so- these are the moments. These are, are the, the things like maybe it's a favorite shirt. Maybe it's that your husband finally put the toothpaste back where it belongs. Two That's, hands up. That's yes. a two hands up moment. Yeah. Because they're rare and it doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, joy starter for me is when my husband makes the bed and he gets it nice and tight. So it looks good. Like these are the small, simple things. And it's choosing to see circumstances, opportunities, and the things that happen to you with a lens of joy. And so if it sparks something in you recognize that as a joy starter, we use the hashtag hashtag joy starter. Um, Megan from Nelson of Maine, as she's a graphic designer, made me gifts or however you say it on. I don't know how to say it either. Yeah. She made them on Instagram. So you can actually use that. And it's like, it's so cool. And people are just like my, my Yeti is a joy starter for me. Ice cold water all dang day. I mean, let's talk about a glass of wine at the end of the day, joy starter right there. Like there's so many things and it can be as simple as the toothpaste is in the right spot in the bathroom drawer to your favorite mug to, um, you know, having a family dinner and just sitting in the moment and looking for those moments of joy. Super important to remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are a go-getter, a dreamer, a big thinker, an idea grabber. What else? Can, how else can I describe you? You, you go big, you play crazy. big, you, you all, you all kinds of crazy. Yeah. Um, you play huge and you have yeah. big dreams. And I love that about you. Did you always have that? Or was, was it the grief for rocket fuel that started it? Or is it just fueled the fire? I, I think it's both. I think it fueled my fire to a certain degree, but previous to now starting my own business, my goal was to become the CEO of a company, like a fortune 500, like work my way up the corporate ladder, like be like the big rigs wear the pencil skirt and the expensive suit from, you know, Saks or Neiman Marcus or blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Um, and I've, because I've always, my mom said this to me, she said, um, I believe that big things are possible for you and that you can do anything. And then I had a business mentor that says, dream big, go anywhere. 
do anything. And I've had these incredible people in my life actually instill in me that I can do anything. And I want to be part of the evidence and part of the facts saying that a girl from small town, Manitoba, born and raised on a farm who can drive a tractor and like hold her own can also build her dream life that people only read about or only see about it. Because when we're little, we have these in, insane dreams. I'm going to be an astronaut and a firefighter and I'm going to save cats and whatever else it is. You know, the kids have these awesome ideas. I don't even like cats. So I don't know why I said Me that. Me neither. No offense. Yeah. No offense. I don't either. It's a safe space. I don't like cats either. I'm afraid they're going to pounce. Yeah. Carry on. And they're hairy and they're <laughs> But you have all these dreams as a kid. And then all of a sudden we start hearing no. And people are like, well, how are you going to do that? Why would you do that? And they're the naysayers in our life. So like, I kind of like did this to a lot of the naysayers. I was like, okay, you're over there. And then I just started hanging out with people that also want to do really rad things and dream really big. And that made such a difference. Thanks ladies. Um, real life. Yeah. Real life. Yeah. Go for it. Um, I just started hanging out with these people that also had the beliefs and I started consuming things that also gave me the tools to believe it's possible. And like, damn, I'm 37. I'm like, this is taking way longer. I'm almost (laughs) seven. Let me rephrase that. I'm almost 37. I'm like, this is taking way longer than I thought, but also like I'm loving the journey in all of my crazy big dreams. And they never happen in the timeline that you want. They're never as fast as it, but that's like, what I'm learning is, is like part of the joy is just like, I'm loving how I get to show up today because it's awesome because I've built this life I love. And then the losing Lewiston was like that final wake up call just to take those big steps and like the big leaps. It was like, someone slapped me across the face. And the thing that was holding me back from like speaking life into my dreams and talking about them out loud and sharing them on social media was fear and judgment of others. And when I lost, isn't that so stupid? Isn't it? Why Why do we do that? Because we allow those voices to have a validity in our life when they shouldn't. And so it took the death of my son to be like, wake fuck up, Jess. Like your time is now, you go now, you start now, you're going to fumble, you're going to fall, you're going to fail, you're going to mess up, you're going to learn some valuable lessons, it's going to be hard. But like your time is now and I I teach this in the course that I'm teaching um, about getting unstuck and it's called the hard work about finding abundance and living a joyful life by say. I believe a dream is like a seed. And so you got to plant it, but you have to like speak life into it and water it and care for it to bloom. Often we just hold the seed in our hands. So we have this idea and you're like, don't let anybody, like, what if people think I'm, what if it doesn't grow? And so then you don't speak life to it. You don't water it. You don't care for it. And then what happens? It eventually just rots in your hand. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. So good. Mm -hmm. You're an inspiration. You are. And I was going to talk to you. I, I had all, all these ideas I wanted to talk to you about. I was going to talk to you about your relationship with hot Ronnie. Cause I know that's also an inspiration yeah. to a lot of people, but I feel like you already kind of answered that because I, well, if, if you can, if anyone can read between the lines, which I think I'm a good read between the liner. Um, I feel like I know what your answer is going to be, but why is your relationship so good other than making it a priority way? I know you make it a priority, but also I feel like if, if you know you and you, and you talk about finding the joy, um, mm. I, I feel like we, we can probably, we can probably gather, but tell us, tell us about your relationship because it is an inspiration for a lot of people. 
And holy shit. Like and I know marriage, marriage right? is hard. Okay. Like we're, we're in the, we're both small business owners and we've just had like the financial discussion and I literally have wanted to jump off a bridge. And I, I mean, I say that, and I have had suicidal thoughts when stuff gets hard. So I want to validate that when you're in the thick of it, or when you're disappointing a person, or when you've let down a spouse, this is hard work. This is not easy. This is not for the faint of heart. Like you have to show up, but that's exactly what you need to do. I want to show up the way that I want my marriage to look like. So rather than staying, Hey girlfriend, what's up? This is Lisa's daughter's coming in to whisper something. She's like, Oh, I need help. This is we're in the midst of lockdown here. I have a guest. Um, Hi Elodie. Can we talk in a little bit? honey? She needs water. She needs a snack. She needs something. I have, I've muted the situation. Okay. And we're back. <laughs> and the mis- but the, uh, Hey, real life. In I'm like, I'm putting you on, I'm putting you on mute. Cause I have no idea what you're going to say into this podcast right now. So oh, let um, me tell you this story is Swayze this morning goes, daddy, take down your pants. You put your PP and mommy's vagina and you guys can make a baby. Let's go. And <laughs> so my six-year-old, we told her how to, how you make babies. Apparently, apparently yes. you had that conversation. Yeah. You I did? didn't go there yet. God. Um, and oh, and then I was like, Swayze, I'm like, just, you know, that's like between a mommy and a daddy. And it's, that's in private time where no one else is watching. And it's not just as simple as the penis inside the vagina. And Ronnie's like, God has to do his work and it has to make an embryo. And I'm like, okay, this is whatever. But this is just like, kids say the darndest things. So you never know what they're going to say. Yeah. We're, we're in, in real time, pandemic days. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so where, were you, where were we? We were talking about your marriage. relationship, marriage. Yeah. So like validating, but it's hard validating that, um, when you're dealing with tough stuff, finances, death, grief, loss, uh, you both have two separate dreams that are, you know, where one person's going to have to compromise or, you know, one person's going to shine and another person has to sacrifice whatever it is. But the biggest thing is, is that I show up in my marriage and how I want it to be. I don't think about it. I think often we're like, I'll show up better when, when he starts making me dinner, when he starts making the bed, when he starts, da, da. and we put such expectation on the other person that then all we're doing is sitting in a grumpy pile with our, you know, hands crossed being like, I'll change when they change. And I, my challenge in my book was, what if you just start showing up today, how you want it to look? Well, how I want it to look is that like we kiss before he walks out the door, that we love each other, that we communicate and connect. Is it perfect? Hell no. But I'm showing up the way I dream it to be. And that starts then this ripple effect that then the other person starts showing up the way that you want them to be. And you're like, oh, wow, this is actually great. And if I'm going to be stuck with hot Ronnie for another 60 plus freaking years, they better be enjoyable because I'm not doing something with, like half-ass just because like, oh, I we know you don't fun. do things half-ass. Don't worry. We all know that. <laughs> but no. really, I feel like you need to be my therapist or like if you if you haven't read Jess's book yet, it, it, you kind of just take people out of the funk because you just make it seem so easy. Oh, all I have to do is like show up how I want to be. Oh, I can do that. Like to give yourself permission to do that almost. Right. And I think that the challenge, I mean, I, this is my saying, show up, do the hard work, stay consistent. It's on my fridge, Jess, from you. Right. Your postcard of that is on my fridge. 
So we'll show up and we'll start doing the hard work. And where we all fail is that we stop staying consistent, like a diet, like a running regime, like whatever life throws you curveballs. And I think that's what I've realized is the secret sauce um, is that like, okay, I will do the hard work, but this isn't a one time. This isn't a one month. This is like how I need to do it always. And this is going into like life coaching and all the things that I've learned, but Give like, it to me. We tell ourselves a story of shame and guilt, and we make ourselves feel like pieces of shit when we fall off, when we stumble, when we don't stay consistent. And because we are, we're in this cycle of shame and doubt and all the other BS that doesn't serve us, that's where we get stuck. And that's where we don't like my life coach. And this is what I ask myself. I was like, is this thought serving me? Because I've been beating myself up over my son's fifth birthday. We're going to raise a bunch of money and it's going to be great, but I haven't showed up the way I wanted to. And so for the last three weeks, I'm like, you're a piece of shit. You haven't done what you you should have done better. And all I've been doing is shooting and shaming myself. Well, in three weeks, instead of shooting and shaming, I could have showed up and done a whole bunch more incredible work. And that's what happens in our life is we shame ourselves. We should ourselves. We do it in parenting. We do it in business. We do it in marriage. We do it in friendships and it doesn't serve us. So you have to change your thought patterns so that you think a thought that helps you choose a different feeling. And, and then that's where your action comes from. hundred percent. Yeah. I feel like I just need to put that, like put that part on repeat. Just like listen to that over and over again. It's so good. I'm really working hard on the shooting and, and like my book proposal, I should have had this finished in March. They were ready to go to the publishers. They have, they, there's two publishers that are interested in me. They're like, get us the new thing. And I'm trying to do all of it. I can't do it. I don't do it all. Well, the balls get dropped and whatever, but I'm like, I'm not going to shit myself. I'm like, radical acceptance. This is exactly the way it's happened because it has happened like this and I will get it out and it will be where it's meant to be because wasting myself, being myself up for not doing something doesn't change anything. It just makes it worse. You don't yes. win in that scenario. No, you don't. You definitely don't. You I never had some- do. I had something really, I had something giant that I was going to ask you. And of course it fell out of my brain because I was it'll just come. like, I was yeah. all in. It'll, it'll come. Um, can you tell, this is what, can you tell us about your next book? Can you talk about yeah. it yet? Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I want to say I'd write it either way, but Lord knows I'd love a publisher because slinging 6,000, 8,000 books out of my garage is like, that's hard work. Yeah. Um, and like the capital investment is crazy. Um, the, the book is called The Hard Work. Um, it's similar to my course, but it is basically these pillars that I've applied in my life. And my first book is all about like bringing the joy and more so a memoir. And this is like, I don't want to say self-help, but this is like, these are the pivotal tools and the fundamental things in my life that I have fallen back on to get me to where I'm at, which is like a full, abundant, incredible life. Even when I face the hard stuff. And so we just break it down into three sections. We're going to see if the publishers will, I mean, who knows if they're going to run with it, but it's broken into showing up. And then there's a section of do the hard work of a bunch of things. And then there's a closer with stay consistent. So I don't know. We'll see if a publisher bites and, and where it goes. I'm excited and trusting and expecting great things. I'm excited for you. It's, mm-hmm. I would say like, you didn't want to say self-help and then my mind went, personal development and then, or personal leadership. I think it's all of those. You know what I mean? I do. I think, well, I think anyone who has listened to this conversation or has ever heard you knows that that's what you're all about. And I, like you said, fueling 
yourself, whatever you consume, whether that be like media, wherever you get your stuff, whatever putting you into your eyes and your ears, that, that comes out right in, in how you act in the things you say. So to expand on that, I'm going to share this. This is one of the chapters in the books and it's one of the pillars of my course, but I, I, this like, for me, I was like, when I started to think about it, I was like, mind blowing. So you, I want you to picture your life like a dinner party. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're at the dinner party. It's inside your house. There's only so many people you can invite, but now I want you to start thinking about in your ideal dinner party, what's the food that you're consuming? Who's sitting beside you? What's the music playing? What's the atmosphere like? Like, how does this roll out? And when you start to look at your life like a dinner party, like, who are you inviting to sit beside you? Oh, I probably wouldn't invite Sharon from down the street because I feel obligated to because I only have so many seats. And these are the people that are going to pour into my life. When I think about what I'm going to consume at the dinner party, sure, there's going to be some desserts and of course some wine, but like I'm consuming healthy food because I know the impact that it has on my body. What's the atmosphere? Who am I hanging out with? Who am I surrounding myself with? Because that all affects you. And if you start picturing your life like this, you stop giving seats at the table to people who don't deserve to be there or should be there because we're not doing it out of of obligation. We're doing it because we're crafting a life we love. And that takes intention and it takes heart at the upfront saying, oh, I'm not going to just invite you because I feel obligated. I'm going to invite you because I know that you're going to pour in and make my life better. And I want to do the same for you. And when when I started looking at my life like that, it was really easy to stand firm in my yeses and to stand firm in my no's and to start saying, oh, that, like I get a choice and the people up in the nose bleachers, they're, they're welcome to view my dinner party, but they don't get to speak into it. Amen, sister. Mm-hmm. Tell us now, breathe life into your big, scary dream. What's next? <laughs> Besides writing another book, because if that's not big enough. <laughs> No, you know what's next? I need, I'm, I'm a break. I need a break. Mama, like I, you do. this happens. Vacation, you're breathing life into a vacation? Yeah, um, I, I'll probably take a week. I mean, we're recording this almost at the end of May. We'll celebrate Lewiston's birthday. And I think I might take um, a week off social just to like reset, re- regroup. I mean, and for really crazy, insane dreams, um, it, it takes like not getting to burnout. And so I don't want, I can, I realize that I'm like hitting my limit. I'm feeling pulled in a lot of different directions. We've got the documentary, Lewiston's fifth birthday. I'm trying to get a book proposal out. We're trying to raise a um, hundred thousand dollars. Like there's just all of these things. And I'm like, okay, that's a lot. And wow. if I take seven days off or five days off, it doesn't mean I'm a failure. It just means I'm smart that I'm fueling my tank so I can keep going. I mean, my big crazy dreams are I would love um, for bring the joy to be a Nicholas Sparks movie. Um, you know what I mean? Like I just picture the notebook, but hot Ronnie and Jessica format. <laughs> I want a New York times bestseller. Um, I, I write differently. It's not a typical, it's not super polished. Like I just write how I speak, which I think is super cool. Um, and then, I mean, I would love that we would find a cure for the disease that my son died from. Um, next year's the Alberta Children's Hospital 100th anniversary, which is insane. I'd like to raise 100 grand specifically for them um, just in a year time. Since Lewiston's passing, um, we have raised $491,338, 
which is almost half oh, a million dollars. It's insane. It's that's insane. It's crazy. So like, I have all of these. I mean, I want to build a dream home and I want a pool and I want a place where people who are hurting can come and have a retreat. Like I have all these like wild ideas. I want a vacation property in Maui, but um, you have beautiful dreams. I love your beautiful yeah. dreams. Yeah. I've got all the things, but first is going to be some rest for this mama. Good. You deserve it. You ready for rapid fire? Yes. Let's do it. It's my favorite. Okay. If you could share a bottle of wine with one woman living or dead, who would it be? Michelle Obama. Good one. What is your go-to well-being or self-care practice? On the regular for me, getting my nail nails and hair done. Your favorite book recommendation besides your own. <laughs> which is on Amazon and you can go purchase it up here. No, um, uh, start with why by Simon cynic or atomic habits by James clear. I go back to that book time and time again. Yes. What does sisterhood mean to you? Connection and togetherness where we believe that we can all have a seat at the table. There's enough pie for everybody. 7.4 billion people. I'm not going to be the only one with the, the, an idea. There'll be others. And I want to cheer them along and help them along the way because people have done that for me. What advice would you give your 16 year old self? Dream big, go anywhere, do anything. It's Goosebumps. Possible. Goosebumps. Thank you, Jessica Jansen. It has been a pleasure. I appreciate your time and everything you do for everyone around you. I just love you. Um, thanks for chatting. Gotcha. Yeah. I just, here's the thing. Um, joy is possible in the face of death and all of the shit storm joy is possible. And if you are struggling and hurting, um, finding community, whether it be wine, woman, well-being or another spot that is, has community community has carried our family through. Um, and it's because I've raised my hand and asked for help. Just like Lisa raised her hand and said, I'm lonely. This is hard. I want to do it with people. And so I just encourage whoever's listening to this. If you're lacking community, go find it. There's a million ways to find it. Lisa created it. I love and it. If, like, if you don't have it where you live, you come find me and I'll help you build it. How's right. That? I, I, like what, how amazing is that? <laughs> like I'll help you build it. This is what sisterhood and womanhood is about. Um, and I just want to encourage you. I have my highs and I have my lows. Um, I'm just choosing to make sure that the ride that I'm on is joyful because life is short and the number of days we have is not guaranteed. Thank you so much, Jess. Mm -hmm. Love you girl. Okay. Love you too. Thank you. Bye. You're welcome. Talk Bye. soon. Thanks for listening, friends. If you like what you've heard, subscribe and recommend us to a friend. Head to winewomenwellbeing.com to find out more about what our community is all about and reach out to us on social media. We'd love to connect. Until next time, stay classy, stay kind. <laughs>